to my left and right. Uh, hello, everybody! Guys, let, let, let's get some focus here. This will be fun, I promise. Okay, so I'd like to introduce, again, with a little bit more quiet, I'd like to introduce Rhonda McGowan and Julie Spears. Can we have a round of applause, please? Yeah, there we go. Rounds of applause always. Folks do. Um, so I've had the pleasure over the last couple of days of, uh, of interviewing uh, uh, both ladies here over the phone, and they have some incredible stories to tell about the early history of uh, hepatitis uh, C diagnosis. In fact, of course, before it was even known as hepatitis C. Um, and uh, we've, uh, we've invited them along tonight to share some of their knowledge and, and, and wisdom and experience and some of the stories they have about um, uh, that, that early history. Um, uh, working with a, a population of people who sorely needed the community support and solid information uh, in, the, in the 1980s when that really just didn't exist. Um, so, uh, starting off with you, Julie, could you uh, tell us uh, a little bit about how you became uh, involved in what we, what we now call Hepatitis Victoria? Uh, I was diagnosed with Hepatitis C just after my 40th birthday in 1994, so it was happy birthday, Julie. Um, and there was very little known about the um, illness at that time. I was fortunate enough to be a community artist in a community health centre, so from a professional point of view, I had a lot of support. However, there wasn't a lot of information available even in that kind of setting. So I contacted the Hepatitis C Foundation at that stage. It had only been recently formed to find out what was going to happen to me. And then I subsequently became involved in it because the organisation was run purely by volunteers and the telephone service, and I noticed, I noticed there's an 1800 number now, but there was a telephone number that was um, personed by a very small band of volunteers from Fairfield Infectious Hospital. Um, so that's my beginning. And Rhonda? My um, background in it is quite different. In 1992, I joined Victorian Infectious Diseases Reference Laboratory as a, as a scientist. I'd been working in research until then, and I came to join Scott Bowden's group at uh, Vitoral. And uh, Scott had been uh, working on a hepatitis C PCR. So there had been a, an antibody test uh, <coughs> developed, but it had become quite clear that most people um, who had been exposed didn't get rid of the virus. So all the people who were antibody positive wanted to know, do I still have the virus? It was a very important question because those who did not clear the virus had an uncertain future because their liver was um, going to be constantly damaged by the replication. So. Uh, we were the first laboratory in Australia to develop this test and from being basically a research laboratory we were suddenly inundated with samples from all around Australia. So as we started to gather information we, we found that we had this incredibly important um, development of information that could be useful for people who had hep C. So, um, the fact that there were genotypes, 
that um, different people had different amounts of virus in their blood. And we were developing these tests well before there were kids. And um, as it happened, we, uh, the, the, the few people who had started uh, a support group were given an office in Fairfield Hospital. So we were right next door. So before long, they were ringing us. We've got people asking, you know, can we breastfeed our children? Um, what, what is the transmission? Is it sexually transmitted? Well, we didn't have all the answers, but we were happy to help. And so we got involved and personally, uh, thanks to Scott's encouragement, I uh, joined the board and um, started to, between us, started to put answers together. And uh, they put out a magazine, I think nearly every issue, we had uh, something to say in, on the science of it. Um, I, I can't believe how much it's developed over the years, but we were very concerned early on at all the misinformation. And um, I said to Scott, you know, we should, the GPs need to know more. So we had this idea to, to publish a booklet. Uh, Fairfield Hospital uh, paid for its publication and it was sent round to every GP in Australia. Uh, yeah, was it? No, Victoria, in Victoria. So that was the start of getting some good information out there. Um, so we're sort of very proud of that. Um, I was reading the part about treatment in it, so this is 1994. The only treatment was interferon. It was up to six months or 12 months treatment. You had to inject yourself three times a week. You got terrible flu-type symptoms. 50% of people had their virus level decreased and over time 50% of those relapsed. So for all that heartache and, and sometimes people had to give up their work, only 25% were able to be, uh, well, we're not sure whether it's cured is the word, but their levels went down. So I think it's just amazing that over those 25 years, the treatments have improved to such an extent and that in Australia, theoretically, it's available to everybody. So it started off with uh, one woman, Joan Alter, who, whose husband died of hepatitis C. I think he contracted it through vaccination, group vaccinations in the Second World War. She opened her telephone to people who needed to talk about it and I think nearly had a nervous breakdown. So it came to Fairfield Hospital. Um, a little group started. They got some early funding from the Sydney Meyer Foundation. And just when they received the information that they had got this grant, the committee just about was a burnout. So we had a special general meeting um, to get people to, to form a committee, and that's when Julie came on board and was president. And, and Julie started the Good Liver, um, so she might like to talk a bit more about that. So, so my role, because I was a community artist, was in it writing to the My Foundation. And I don't know if anybody um, was, is here from the My Foundation, but that was a really critical part of the organisation's development. Um, prior to that, as Rhonda said, it was run completely on volunteer labour and, and, the, and the generosity of, of Fairfield. Um, so it was very exciting getting that money because it meant that the organisation could employ a volunteer coordinator. Um, so my role was as a fundraiser. I um, started the Good Liver and 
at the time, <laughs> at the bottom of each good liver, it said good liver, noun, person given, given to good living. So there was, you know, a bit of humour in there. One can't be too stoic about, you know, what it means to have hepatitis C, certainly in those days. Um, so my role was quite short. Um, I did a lot of voluntary work on the phones with the early group of, of, of um, volunteer workers. Um, what I found quite extraordinary in that short time was the kind of calls that you got, that we got. And we had these, these logbooks by the phone and we'd pick up the phone, there'd be somebody there, they didn't know in the same way as I didn't know what my future was. And they'd been given information by their GP or by a nurse or by a specialist even sometimes that was completely incorrect. And some of the stories were gut-wrenching about being isolated from family members, of um, being told not to have children, uh, of being told, don't worry, it's not a death sentence. I mean, that's not a very reassuring statement to make. And, but quite correctly, the, the, um, the outcome of the illness was very poor at the time because the disease was new and the statistic, but statistical base of the consequences and the progression of the disease, the pool of information was quite small. So it was quite a terrifying time. So um, from that logbook, um, we leveraged the next bit of funding. Um, eventually, out of frustration, we, we were bounced around between the state government and the federal government. The, the, the state government would say, we'll give you the funding for the feds kick in, and the feds would say, we'll give you the We'll give you the state money if, if vice versa. And um, I'd made friends with the head of public health. I used to ring him up and bash him every couple of weeks. <laughs> and one day I just said, John, if these books got out to the press, I mean, I hadn't planned it, but it was just one of those really furious moments. I said, look, we've got this, all of these, you know, we've got two years of information about what people are being told in the community by the medical profession and if it got to the press your minister would be very embarrassed and all of a sudden we had a meeting with all of the senior bureaucrats and guess what the money came in that's amazing yeah, yeah. um so we're, we're sitting here now, and I know I, I spoke to both of you on the phone about this, uh, uh, about back 25, uh, 20 you know, years ago, um, uh, we're sitting here today in 2017, there's an effective treatment, uh, you know, dare I say, cure for, for hepatitis C, where the organisation's now tackling hepatitis B as well. When, when you were both involved in this kind of community advocacy, what could you, and I'll, I'll start with you, Rhonda, um, what, could you imagine this kind of outcome and, and do, do you still see the need for, um, you know, uh, of, the, of the things that have changed, where do you see that we still need um, uh, help? Um, yes, I think it's been amazing, uh, the progress that has been made. I think that that's partly due to uh, Australia's attitude. So early on, uh, we're one of the first countries to uh, to have needle exchanges. So for hepatitis C, that's really important. 
Um, and that came in because of our uh, progressive attitude to HIV prevention. And we also should be proud that Australia was the first country in the world to have a national hepatitis C strategy in 2000. So I think we can all be very proud of that. Um, in terms of the future, I would say that getting the message out that treatment's available, but also I think helping um, prisoners to get treatment while they're in prison. Because the treatment time has reduced, it's now feasible to, to treat people. So that's the way to stop the spread. Uh, and and uh, I guess uh, same question uh, of of the uh, of things that have uh, you've seen develop and change. I mean, could you imagine this this kind of outcome back when back when you were involved? Uh... No, obviously not. I think that that cure was you know an extraordinary bit of science. I mean, when in your lifetime do you come across? something that will eradicate a disease so effectively for so many people. Um, and the federal government should be commended for making it available for everybody, unlike other countries where you have to be very ill to, be, to go on to the treatment. At, you're, you're eligible for the treatment regardless of what, you have, what your, your liver status is. Um, where I see, so I find that very exciting and how wonderfully effective and wide-ranging this organisation is now, thanks to Melanie Eagle's leadership as well, reaching out to um, communities um, and also involving Hepatitis B in, in, in its policy and reach. M my concern um, is in... When I was diagnosed with Hep C, it was at this, it is, you know, it, there was an alignment with AIDS, and when now that AIDS is no longer terminal illness, the AIDS Foundation, which is a very powerful lobby, um, then was able to um, get support and financed for people to re-enter the workforce, and I think that that's something that needs to be done for the hepatitis C um, environment that. There are people that have had the illness for decades and as a consequence have lost confidence and, and are on benefits. And to make that transition back into the workforce to, you know, a more active and, you know, hopefully more productive existence, I think that it's, it, that's not an easy thing for somebody to, to do if they've been out of the workforce and very unwell for a long period of time. So that's that's my vote. I reckon that's where you know we ought to go, go ring up the minister again and say, go up. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Uh, with uh, do you have any uh, advice for uh, you know the people assembled here tonight uh, about you know how we can continue to, to push things forward um, into the into the twenty sixth year and beyond? I'll start with you, Rhonda. Well, I just think um, the community has to understand that uh, they have a lot of power. As you, uh, the power of community is there, and and so if you you, you gather support for a particular issue, and always feel that um, then you can get action. Because in the end, the if the politicians have to have to uh, take notice of the public. So it's just how hard and how loud you can be on your passionate issues. 
And uh, uh, Julie, any, anything else you'd like to add to that? Uh, just simply that I think that the transition to um, more engagement with the community, I think that the lead is, is there with and the statistical base probably is there within the HIV lobby movement and that I reckon that that's definitely the next call. Um, as someone with uh, lived experience of hepatitis C myself, and I, I was diagnosed in 1994, um, I just want to personally and publicly uh, uh, thank, thank both, both of you uh, for the work you've done. I, I, I don't think it's uh, too melodramatic or histrionic for me to say that without the, the grassroots work you've done and the extra initiative you've shown, I and yeah, a good many people in this room may not be here to have this, this pleasant evening tonight. So uh, can we please just have a huge round of applause uh, for Rodney and Julie. Thank you. Oh, these are nice chairs.